Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines talking all things NFL again from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And, John, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And there's a lot of different rules that are being implemented that are at the that are being approved at the owners' meetings there in, in Minneapolis. And one that's really bothered me all day is the one about the fair catch and you take the ball to the 25 on a kickoff. Uh, I know that the owners approved it. I know that Roger Goodell said it's for safety. But what do you think that the, the actual league, the players and the coaches, are going to think of this rule? It doesn't matter what they think about it. The NFL does extensive studies about injuries. Kickoffs have caused more injuries than anything that happens in football. They've tried to legislate to help it. They still have too many injuries on there. So anything they can do that's going to help players stay healthy. I'm all for it. I don't like it. I mean, I love kickoffs. Kickoffs, you had used to have a hundred and something yard returns. You had hard hit collisions, but boy, you know, they're trying to make the game safer and that's what they're trying to do. So I don't like it, but I certainly understand it. What do you think that the the kickers are going to do now? I mean, there there was a time when it was if you can kick it a little short of the end zone that that was a, a great placement. Now what do they do? Just kick it out of the end zone and just chalk it up to a 25-yard line? No, they can't do that. They did that for a long time. You could uh, Kickers have gotten much more sophisticated. Uh, special teams coaches have gotten more sophisticated about – you never heard about – Hang time on kickoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I ever heard hang time was Ray Guy, uh, the Hall of Fame punter from the Raiders, and Ray was so good at it. You, if you looked at his averages, his averages never stacked up. But boy, he could get hang time, and he could direct, directional kick, and he it was ahead of his time when he did it. And uh, they they find more and more ways to adjust. Now, the kickoffs are never going to be the same. The kickoff will never be the same. It will never provide the excitement that it used to, just like onside kicks. They've ruined that. But, you know, it's hard to argue when they say it's to try to help players stay healthy. No, there's no doubt about that. Of course, health is, is going to be, and, and it is what Roger Goodell said, is the most important factor here. Uh, as far as the guys that are doing the kick returning, uh, how much of, of kind of their skill set does this even take out of the game? Well, truthfully, you best returners now are going to have to be on punt returns. But even punts today, they get so much hang time, they put them to the sides, they kick them end over end to make it more difficult. And I think we're we're never going to see what we used to in kickoff and punt returns. And that isn't just because of the game, the returns. It's also because of the of the hits, the blocking. Remember on kickoffs when they used to have guys going down to be wedge busters. Spencer mm-hmm. Tillman, who has played for the Oilers and the 49ers, the Oilers again, now has been a great color guy in college football. I'm surprised Spencer doesn't has any brain cells left because <laughs> I watched him just do somersaults, go flying when he was the wedge buster uh, under Jerry Glanville, who was, who was all about dishing out pain and learning how to tolerate 
pain, but it's certainly not the way it used to be. But there's still plenty of excitement in football. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Before we went to break, Q said that I've got infected with too much of the XFL. Do he you did. think that they could maybe adopt the XFL's rule of kickoff where the they basically – the Kickoff team, they're only five yards apart from the returning team, and they can't go until the ball is actually received. You watch the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the call. He was the call. I was on the broadcast, John. <laughs> well, uh, I thought the XFL was great. I'm sorry, Demond. It was it was more exciting than ever. Thank uh, you, John. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of rules. A lot of things that are exciting about football happen in other leagues. Like, I would love to adopt what the other – now, I'm not sure, but I did watch the XFL because Houston had uh, Wade Phillips as coach this year. Last time, June Jones, two of my all-time favorite coaches, and the teams were good uh, both years. And one of the things I love is when there's a penalty – and the guy back at uh, the, the guy back at the league office is talking to the referee about it, and we can hear it. You know, there's so many things that the NFL could adopt, but yeah, they'll study that. They don't like stealing. I'm sorry, borrowing things from other leagues. Some somehow they think they're above it all. But boy, they should study everything, including things that have been implemented by the XFL or even the USFL. So or the CFL. <laughs> so when it comes to rule changes in the name of player safety, what do you think could be the next big change that leaves us fans going? What What are they doing? Oh gosh, Demond, you caught me off guard with that one. I'm trying to think of what else they change: blocking, blocking below the waist, blocking if you're running in this direction and that direction. I don't understand how players keep up with everything. It reminds me, if you go back, like I was, I, I, like Jim Brown is the greatest football player I've ever seen. And I started watching him when I was eight years old, 1916. I watched every game that was on TV. And uh, one of the things that I've been watching, the highlights of Jim Brown since his death, is how much different, how much more violent, how many things you could get away with back then that you can't get away with now. And people complained about all the rules. You know, they used to say put skirts on quarterbacks because you can't hit them anymore. What they meant was you can't hit them in the head, you can't hit them in the knees. You used to could pick them up and throw them down. Ben Davidson from the Raiders was notorious at six eight, picking quarterbacks up and just leveling them like like he was wrestling. <laughs> and uh, the changes they made, I don't know what else they can do to to the game. The, considering how many things have changed through the decades, all in the name, not just the, for player safety, because they thought it made the game more exciting, put more scoring in there. There was a time till 1978 when an offensive lineman, imagine this, imagine Max Crosby coming across the line of scrimmage and the offensive tackle could not spread his arms to block it, could not reach out, to, to try to take him wide. You had to keep your arms within your tackles like you're an alligator. They had to be in against your body, and that's the way you block. 
That's one reason there were so many great pass rushers back then, because the offensive linemen didn't have a chance. And when they changed a lot of the rules and they let the linemen extend their arms, now, that was not a big deal at the time, but, man, looking at, it was humongous. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Again, John McClain, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And we'll get back to rules and rule changes because you mentioned Jim Brown, and I-, I wanted to ask you about him. He passed away on Friday last week, so we've been talking about him quite a bit around here. What are your, your fondest memories of Jim Brown? How much did he mean to the to the game of, uh, of football? Well, he was he was ahead of his time. He um, he was six. Think about it. somebody asked me if he could play today. I said he's six two and two thirty, and he could run. You know, he didn't they didn't time him in the forty, but nobody caught him from behind. And he broke so many tackles, and a lot of oh well, they couldn't tackle back then. A lot of those guys are in the Hall of Fame because they could tackle. He just broke tackles. And one thing about Jim Brown, if you look at his statistics and what happened to his career was just. Just hard to fathom. Art Modell, the new owner, told him, "You quit making that movie and you come back here, or you just retired." Well, he said, "Okay, I'm going to finish the Dirty Dozen," and he retired. Everybody thought he was going to come back, and which was just preposterous because there's no telling what he could accomplish. And Jim Brown was a lot of white people didn't like him. He was an activist, and he was an activist when it was very unpopular. Mm -hmm. And there's a famous picture with Jabbar and Ali and Brown and some others who were were big on civil rights, trying trying to help the unrest that was growing in our country in the 60s. And Ali, of course, was at the forefront. White people just hated it, didn't understand why he changed his name, didn't understand why he wouldn't fight in the Vietnam War, why it was against his religion. And Brown stood up during those times, and he was defiant. And um, he had the first interracial love scene in a movie, 100 Rifles, in which he got to make out with Raquel Welch, who was the hottest thing on the planet. And I've seen 100 Rifles a thousand times. <laughs> and I like the movie, but I especially like the part with Jim Brown and Raquel Welch and was so envious of him. And he, when he got killed in The Dirty Dozen, which was the movie that he made at the time that he wouldn't leave, uh, I got teary-eyed when Jim Brown died. And uh, I thought he was pretty good. And turned out he made a lot of movies, and I saw all of them because I was such a Jim Brown fan. And the first time, the only time I was ever around him, he was here for a TriStar production, a memorabilia company. they one of the biggest in the world. They had two conventions there every year, and they're huge, over by the Astrodome. And he was a guest one time, and I was behind the scenes doing some stories. And one of the, the owners of TriStar said, hey, you want me to introduce you to Jim Brown? I said, sure. And I walked up, and I'm well, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, I can't talk to him. He's Jim Brown. <laughs> Jim Brown. I used to watch Jim Brown. He was larger in life. He might get up and run over me. And and I didn't do it. Oh, I no. I was actually intimidated by Jim Brown. I've never been intimidated by actors, actresses, athletes. But for some reason, I was intimidated by Jim Brown. Wow! Wow! That's yeah. That's that's. I didn't. I, that I found surprising, John, because you said it. You're not intimidated by anybody. I'm not. One time, a good friend of mine from Cleveland, Tony Gross, who covered the Browns, 
has covered the Browns for almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. I picked him up at his hotel to take him to the Astrodome for an Oilers game. And we're pulling out, and there's Brown. And Brown says, hey, Tony, how you doing? Jim, I'm doing great. How are you? And I'm like, you know Jim Brown? You know Jim Brown? He goes, yeah. What's the big deal? I said, but that's Jim Brown. He just spoke to you. Yeah. Well, what of it? And I'm like, oh, never mind. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I don't know why he affected me the way he did. Uh, when he when he got tackled, he would always get up really slow, like he was hurt. And somebody asked him one time, why do you get up so slow? He said, because when I am hurt, I don't want the defense to know it. Because he got cheap-shotted so much. So every time he got up, he went back to the huddle really slow. As opposed to his... The other player from that era, Jim Taylor, fullback of the Packers. Back then, it was two back backfields, half pack and fullback. And Taylor and Paul Horner, both in the Hall of Fame. And when Taylor would go down, as soon as he was down, he'd start pushing and kicking to get up from the pile and got in the fights a lot of times because he didn't like players that tackle him. And Brown was just the opposite. Oh, man, this is a great story, John. I've got to ask you, when it comes to Jim Brown, not asking you to rank him, but is it just the the effect that he have on the game that he is and should be considered the greatest football player of all time? Well, he's without a doubt to me the best running back, and I've always said the the greatest uh, player. And his impact on the game was tremendous, and it wasn't just on the field, it was off the field. And he had some incidents with the police where he hit – women and and he got a lot of grief over it but he never he never changed his personality and his his race was important to him and he was proud of it he didn't mind he didn't mind criticism about it his impact on not just the nfl but sports in general really our country because the 60s were tumultuous times with riots across the country the 68 democratic convention 1968 is the worst year we've ever had in our country. People think it's bad right now. Martin Luther King killed. Bobby Kennedy, uh, both of them assassinated. You know. Anyway, Jim Brown, he, he, I don't think he ever missed a game because of an injury. He was a great lacrosse player at Syracuse. Maybe one of the best lacrosse players ever. I don't know enough about it. And then uh, his, his, his notoriety, Popularity and respect transcended sports. And some, I saw Jim Mercer give a list of his top five five players. My top five players are Jim Brown, uh, uh, Tom Brady, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, and Jerry Rice. And I don't know how anybody could argue with that if they know anything about football. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's a hell of a list right there. Again, John McClain, Sports Radio 610 is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. We'll close out with this, John. We started talking about rules. We'll end talking about rules. If there is a rule you could change in the NFL, what would it be? Uh, Off the top of my head, I don't like the 10-minute overtime. Uh, It has not resulted in as as, as many ties as it could be, and I know they worry about what they really worry about is extending into prime time. And forever it was the CBS getting in the way of 60 minutes and pushing the biggest night of the week to network programs back. I wish they'd go back to 15 minutes and because uh, I, everybody hates ties. And I'm sure there's others, but that one just popped in my head. 
right off the bat because I've never liked those shortened overtimes. No, that works. That one works. I, mine was uh, the the um, the what was it? The the, the the illegal touch, the illegal contact one, where it could be a five yard penalty, but it'll give you an automatic first down. That's the one I don't like the most. Yeah, that's another great one. I I'm, I agree with you. What do you think, Demond? I think that you shouldn't have to declare who's the eligible receiver on the field. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, oh, like, there's six linemen. Who's the oh eligible one? God. No, no, I no. I get tired of that, hearing that all the time. <laughs> oh, I think that is so boring. You play defense, you should have to worry about it. You don't need to be designated. There you go. There we go. There you go. Demond, you got. Sixty-eight <laughs> is an eligible receiver. <laughs> and you want to go? Who gives a bleep? <laughs> I know that's right. Good stuff, John McClain, Sports Radio six ten. What are you working on, John? That we should be on the lookout for. SportsRadio six ten dot com, which was does not have a paywall. I'm working on a column on CJ Stroud. Nice. And uh, it'll be posted uh, early in the morning. And uh, I still do three podcasts. I still do a weekly video with Mattress Mac that we're just putting on our social media platform. So I'm staying busy. Thank you guys very much for having me. I look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely. We do as well. John McClain right there, Sports Radio 610. Fantastic work on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. There he goes. He's got your back, Damon. He's got your back on the not declaring the, the sixth uh, the eligible. There you go. And I even changed his mind on the XFL. No, nah, I don't know if he did. I don't know if he did. I think he was just uh, he was throwing you a bone. Let's just uh, he was just like being that. nice? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. He said, you watched the XFL? Like his disbelief, his sound in his voice was like, huh? What? And then you said you were on the broadcast. He's like, oh, yeah, it was great. I watched it too. <laughs> Not so much. 317 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain. We do appreciate uh, hearing from him, as always, each and every Tuesday we do. But we want to hear from you as well, 702-365-9200. We do have Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com, but he's not coming up until 4 o'clock. So we're wide open like some old school TV antennas. Hit us up. Let us know. What rule would you change if you could? Any rule in the NFL, if you could implement a change to it, what would it be? What's the rule and what change would you make? Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Jacoby Ford from the five. Finding room and there he goes! Oh, the Raiders have started the second half in high fashion. 94-yard return. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. That was the last time that the Raiders had a kickoff return for a touchdown right there, Jacoby Ford. Jacoby Ford has been on this show more times since that kickoff return touchdown than the Raiders have had a kickoff return touchdown. And he's been on the show twice, and they've had zero. They have had a punt return uh, touchdown. Dwayne Harris did that one, but... No kickoff return. And now they're changing rules on the kickoff. And really, I feel like that this rule affects the 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 kicker more than the returner. But with that being said, I still am not a big fan of kicking the ball off and having an opportunity to fair catch it and still get it at the 25-yard line. I think you fair catch it, you get it where you fair catch it. That's what it should be. If not, you better get to running, right? I mean, it's just that simple. But as we had John McClain on in the last segment, he said the NFL doesn't care. As long as it's going to benefit them as far as safety goes, they're going to roll with it. So that's what they're doing. Again, I don't want anyone ever injured, but you're really taking out a major element of the game when you're all of a sudden allowing a, a kick returner to fair catch a kickoff 
and get it at the 25. Just one of the rules that have been changed. Of course, the emergency quarterback has been implemented, which is fine. You're allowed to have that third quarterback. That's based off the the Eagles and 49ers playoff game from a season ago where the 49ers are basically down to DeMond as their quarterback, and so they don't want to have that situation again. So now they're going to allow an emergency quarterback. Fine, no problem. But this kickoff one, as far as I'm concerned, is for the birds. But it's led us to talk about what rule you would change if you could change a rule in the NFL the illegal contact for me is one that drives me crazy. It's third and 21. All of a sudden, illegal contact penalty, which is only five yards, five yards, turns into an automatic first down. There is nothing more deflating, in my opinion, just my opinion, than sitting there watching a game, whether it's in the press box, at my house watching on TV, sitting in the stands, whatever the case may be, and seeing third and long, and your team about to get off the field, and all of a sudden, some little small illegal contact extends the drive. And what do you always say, and I always say, if you extend a drive, most likely you're going to get burned in the end. And more times than not, it happens. That's one that drives me crazy. Okay, legal contact, it ain't automatic first down, but you can have the five yards. How about that? I'll give you what I did. If I gave you a five-yard penalty, I'll give you a five-yard penalty. Not a 25-yard penalty. Not a 20-yard penalty. Not an automatic first down. You get what you, you know, the penalty deserves. Five yards. It's that simple. But that's just me. So what rule would you change is the question that we asked. Jim from Yonkers, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r and I encourage you to hit us up that way as well. Or you can always call us at 702-365-9200. He said, uh, he, said he said, this is funny. I'm trying to clean this up real quick. Uh, I was going to say let's put skirts on the kick returners, but that's an insult to all the ladies who love football. So let's put flip-flops and shorts on the kick returner. Ridiculous rule. Will it uh, be a bravado thing not to uh, fair catch it? The rule I would like to change would be if you win a challenge, you keep the challenge and get to keep challenging as long as you win them. That's a good one. Teams should not be penalized for atrocious officiating. Before the fourth quarter, the challenges are gone and you are not able to challenge anymore. Also, I agree with you about the automatic first down and it's third and 25. Then it's, you know, then... That is when a game could be fixed. Thank you for a great show. Nice weather in New York today as Jim from Yonkers. And that's not bad. If you win the challenges, you keep getting a challenge. I'm okay with that. Like he said, why should you be penalized for atrocious officiating? Yeah, they made the mistake. You know, the thing about the officials, it feels like to me, and this is just my observations from a distance, it feels like they know more times than not that they're going to go to officiating or go to the replay, so they don't mind messing it up. Right? It doesn't seem like the attention to detail is there like it used to be. And this is not just exclusive to football. I feel like we've seen bad officiating in baseball, in NBA, in NFL. Like, I just feel like we see so much bad officiating. It's like, what are we doing? And I know officiating is a tough job. There's an official somewhere right now listening, like, you don't know how difficult it is. And no, I get it. I get it. But it just seems like the officials aren't quite as accountable as they used to be. Yeah, especially, like you said, where if you can just say, ah, we'll call it a touchdown and then we got to replay it anyway, so then we'll, we'll look at it there. Or any turnover, it's all reviewable. It's going to their, it's going to that anyway. So like I do agree with you when it comes to the fact that ah, the accountability isn't there as much because you know you have that bailout of most of this stuff is reviewable anyways. Right, and then there's some that aren't, right? And sometimes when they blow the whistle ahead of time, and then, oh, well, that's not reviewable, or it's an inadvertent whistle, or this, that, and the other. I mean, it's like, I feel like over the last two, three years, we've heard every single explanation that doesn't make sense to us. I mean, how many times have we heard something? Even going back, and I don't make excuses, I don't say the officiating is the reason why teams lose games, but even going back to the Raiders and Bengals in the playoffs, the inadvertent whistle, or whatever whistle that was, 
right, that happened. And it looked like half the team stopped playing and the Bengals kept playing and throw a touchdown pass. Again, not blaming the officials for the loss because it takes a whole game to lose most most of the time. So that's just a, a contributing factor to it. But it just seems like there's been so many explanations that I look back and think, what did that even mean? I don't even understand what that explanation meant. That's that's what bothers me. And so that's where I feel like the officials should be held a lot more accountable than they are. Let's go out to the phone lines and think and hear what you got to say. 702-365-9200. We'll start out with Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing, man? I'm blessed. All right. So when I first heard it, like, uh, you know, I instantly thought of the draft pick because I, I do feel like the Raiders maybe, you know, drafted the wide receiver special teamer a little too high because I really thought the Raiders should have gone linebacker in that spot, maybe even moved up. But nevertheless, I guess if there's one penalty that I think is just ridiculous, it's the, you know, 10-yard penalty for offensive lineman holding. I think that should be a five-yard penalty. I I don't understand why they have a penalty for 10 yards for offensive lineman holding. I think it's ridiculous, and I think that's the one should be changed. Okay, and that one, that's a good one, Hardcore. Thanks for the call. That one, I don't know how many times you get you see an offensive lineman get a penalty, a holding call, like on first down, and all of a sudden it's first and 20. And I think everybody's like, oh, yeah, getting off the field on this one, right? It's first and 20. That all of a sudden sets you back so far that, that man, that ruins. That, that holding penalty, even on first down, ruins so many drives in the NFL. It just feels like you're so far behind the eight ball than what normally happens on first and 20. They hand it off, try to pick up a couple yards, and say they get two or three yards. Now it's second and 17. Now you're in an obvious passing situation, and it just doesn't work out well. So that's a good one. I don't I – don't, I don't know. Five yards? Do you think five yards is enough for offensive penalty uh, uh, holding? I think it is because with all these rule changes, not only safety but the enjoyment of the game, making the game more enjoyable. Because like you said, you get that you get that holding penalty. Now you're at first and twenty. Or think about it. You're on second down. You know, second and five becomes now you know right. second and fifteen, where it just takes you out of the drive so much that now you know that you need a big passing play. That to get that yardage back. I'll tell you what, I thought we were in a penalty zone here in the studio because it was hot as fish grease a minute ago. Now, I mean, I, all of a sudden, the, <laughs> the air came in. Right? Is, am, am I wrong? I was just standing here thinking, why is it so stinking hot in here? And now, all of a sudden, I feel the air kick on. Was it, it me or was it you guys? We got Greg Salerno in here, too, but did 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 you feel that, too, or was it just me? I feel the breeze now, but did you did you do something? Did you make a call? How did I make a call? I don't know. We were talking. <laughs> Maybe during the break, you left out. You said, hey. I need this fixed. Man, it was – I don't know what it was. It was all of a sudden it was heating up, man. I thought we were, like, standing in here like fish grease, man. We are cooking in some fish grease. But now now we're good. Got the AC coming in. We're cool. Man, that, I, like I said, I thought we were in the penalty zone. I know VGK is going to be in action tonight, but I don't want to be in the penalty box. Felt like the, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio was the penalty box. So we're good now. Raider Mac, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. Uh, man, you know, every year there's a – um, regarding the penalty in the um, rule committee, there's always something changing. And it seems like it's always changing towards for the offense. This rule don't make no sense to me, but <laughs> it is what it is. You got to follow through. But the rule that I think is just ridiculous, where I saw a team, I think we lost on this uh, on this um, rule, is the incidental contact of the face mask, which is 15 yards. Mm. They, man, that's ridiculous. They should drop that to five. If, he, if not, if it actually grab the face mask right. and pull it, yeah. I can see the 15. But accidental, wasn't it the Miami game when, when we got an uh, incidental face mask? Oh, no, that was a bad one. <laughs> that was that was Arden Key on Fitzpatrick. That was a bad one. He damn near broke his neck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, but there, there was a couple. So yeah. that's the rule I would, I would definitely 
either incidental. Now, if you grab it, 15 right. yards. But if you don't grab it, I, I, I say that's go, go five yards. Why are you doing 15 for incidental? I saw a team won, won uh, a game like that because they had two in a row from two different D, um, D linemen. Um, also, Q, I, I, I want to ask, okay, so um, the OTAs and everything, training camp is coming up. When do you guys, when are you guys going to be able to go into and ask questions to the players? Uh, is this going to be the OTA that's coming up now, or you have to wait to training camp? No, the, the and good call, good question as well. Uh, no, OTAs on Thursday – uh, we'll be able to be there. Uh, head coach Josh McDaniels will talk to us. I believe that morning he'll talk to us. And then uh, also we'll have a few players uh, interact with us, I believe, between like the hours of 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Pacific time, obviously. Uh, I think we'll talk to them then. And then for mandatory minicamp, June 6th through 8th, we'll have an opportunity to be out there as well. And then it'll be nothing until until uh, training camp starts. So uh, coming up on Thursday, we'll get our first opportunity to talk to uh, Coach since they've been out there doing a little bit of activities with OTAs. And then, as I mentioned, mandatory minicamp June 6th through 8th, and then training camp. Then it's a full throttle, all go. So hopefully we'll be out there. I believe the morning tailgate is going to try to do their show from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Thursday. So that'll be cool to, to be out there and, and get a little bit of a glimpse, like I said, of what uh, the Raiders look like. And I, I do like going to your penalty that you were talking about. And the the incidental contact with the with the helmet, I agree. I like that. I like what he's saying. Like, okay, there's 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 degrees to it. Just like when you have running into the kicker and you have roughing the kicker, roughing is the 15 yard penalty. Running into is the five yard penalty. So if I barely touch your helmet on accident because you're, I don't know, flipping your head around trying to get out of my way and I accidentally hit your your helmet, that's a five yard penalty. But now if I Arden key you and I go and grab the, the hell out of the 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 helmet like uh, he did against Ryan Fitzpatrick against Miami. That's a 15-yarder, right? I, I got to earn it, though. Let me earn it. If I'm going to get a 15-yard penalty, let me really get in there and grab you by your face mask. Like There should be degrees to it. I agree with that. I, I like that. Do you think – I know it's only two calls that we've gotten so far, but do you think that people are more inclined to – let's just make penalties if it's not super severe, whatever it is, let's just make it five yards. So that way you're still giving the team that committed the penalty a chance. Yeah, no, I do. I think that some of these penalties are too severe. You know, like I said, the illegal contact, that's a terrible call just to be an automatic first down. I mean, again, the attention to detail and the way that, especially now, it's one thing if if it's just, you know, something obvious and you say, okay, that's automatic first down. But the way that wide receivers and, and any player now is so skilled at making it look like your fault you know what I mean? Like, that's what they do. They're really good. And it, it's not exclusive to just wide receivers. Defensive backs do it, too. They act like they've been grabbed and held and this and that. Like, it's all going back to soccer, right? All going back to soccer and the flopping and this fault, that fault, the acting that's being brought into it. All these penalties shouldn't be so severe. I, I think I – like, I like that idea, DeMond. I like the fact that there should be levels to this game, right? And, and honestly, if you're – Doing some kind, and it's hard in the NFL, but in the NBA, I think they should have some kind of severe penalty for guys that are flopping in the NBA to get that up out of there. That stuff is garbage. When you see a guy look like he got shot, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely—I couldn't tell you how many times LeBron did that in the in the playoffs this year. And it's not exclusive to him; it's everybody. They barely get touched, and they're like, "Oh," you know, fling their head back and everything. It's like, come on, dude. That's the telltale sign for me is when you fling the head back. LeBron threw himself across the floor <laughs> the other night. And, and flung himself into some fans and ended up with some, like, water or some drink on him. And then they had to give him a damn towel. Look, if you didn't throw yourself, he looked like a child that is throwing a tantrum because he didn't get something at the store. Right? What my mom told me I could never do in the store, 
Like, hey, look, we gonna go in this store. Don't you throw a fit when you don't get. Don't grab stuff. Don't ask me for nothing, and don't throw a fit. But how many times do you see a, a kid throw himself on the floor because they want something? And they're just like, oh, Johnny, it's okay. Come on, get up. We got to go. No, my mom would wear that tail out. That's what they should do when mm-hmm. these guys throw themselves on the floor. Wear that tail out, right? Go on, put them in the penalty box. Make them play with four like hockey does. Ooh. How about that? If you, if you, think about that. How about that? I'm coming up with stuff on the fly now. Let's think go. about this. If you are flopping and you get, you get popped for flopping, how about go on and sit it on down for a couple minutes, and now your team is penalized and only has to play with four guys. Man, look at you. I like, let's keep the ball rolling. There was a player in the uh, Just saying. in the Celtics Heat game where Marcus Smart did initiate the contact. Kyle Lowry is running right. past him. You know, and he sticks the butt out, you know, because Kyle Lowry is right. going to. But Kyle Lowry said, oh, I see what you're doing, and I can't get out of the way from this, but I'm going to make it look like you just tackled me. Right. Kyle Lowry jumps over the scorer's table because Marcus Smart, you know, you know, hit him with the, yeah, yeah. hey, you running up you on my what? back. Give, I'm going to put my butt him, out. Give him two minutes in the penalty box. I, well, that, was, that was one, both of them. Yeah. Both yeah. of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, four. now it's four on four. I bet you that's, that would slow him down. Because he initiated the contact, but then Kyle Lowry took it to the, oh, no, no, no. I just went to the NBA. I went I went from the NFL to the NBA in these rules. But I'm just saying, like, there should be some kind of penalty when you're doing stuff like that, and it's so obvious. What do you think about the pick play? Where it's like, oh, he was setting a screen, like, for that receiver. Oh, yeah. Do you think they should take that out? Because, like, for me, it's gamesmanship. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. It's so funny because it's a fine line, right, mm-hmm. with, the, with the pick play. It's like if you do it really well, if you're good at it, it's not a pick play. It's a, it's a really good, you know, it's just a really good. I was running my route. Right, exactly. But if you're not very good at it, then it's a screen, it's a pick play, and it's a penalty. Right, but it's the same exact thing. So that's, it is a fine line. I, I don't. I think honestly, I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's a great play, right? If I if it's a rub route, if it's a, whatever you want to call it, pick play, whatever you want to call it, I like it. I really do. If you as a defender don't realize that, hey, I better get out of the way because this dude is coming down and he's coming down to block me, maybe that's that's on you. They do everything else for the offense. Why not? I don't know. I think it's something to think about. But you know, we're just throwing we're throwing ideas out there, and the NFL don't give a damn what we're talking about. But. <laughs> I think it's I think it's some good ones. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. It's the com text line. Hey gentlemen, fantastic topic today. Let's talk about bad calls. And this is particular last season at Kansas City when the Chiefs went for a field goal and we were called for holding. Yes, we were called for holding when KC was attempting a field goal. Not only did they miss it, they got a first down due to holding on us. A few plays later, they scored a touchdown. We were up, I believe, double digits at the time, and they played. And that play changed everything. I had to chime in on that awful penalty. Also, that play has been called twice in history, and both by the same official versus our Raiders. Unbelievable. That's Sir Whiskey Ray. I remember that. And that did really change the trajectory of that. That was going back to week five, and that was the field goal. Wasn't that the field goal that they got right before halftime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, that was a big play right there. And that was a it was a pretty bad holding penalty. But, again, holding, I feel like, could be called on every play, right? There's, there's, you could justify a holding penalty on every play. That one in particular that Sir Whiskey Ray is talking about that's only been called twice – and both by the same officiating crew was obviously obviously a bad one. But wasn't that really the makeup call for the Chris Jones roughing the passer? Yeah, yeah, it was. In my opinion, it was. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't think that that was a, a roughing the passer either. I thought that that was a very that's a very subjective penalty as well. And I know that one benefited the Raiders because I thought Derek Carr absolutely fumbled on that one, uh, and it was a really good play by Chris Jones. And look, I look at Max Crosby and think that you know, and he's been called for for penalties like that when he's sacking the quarterback and he sacked him too rough. It's like, what are you doing? This is tackle football. What do you mean? So they're always going to protect the quarterbacks, though. And I know some people think it's a good call because they don't want to lose their quarterback. I get it, but I don't know, man. It's 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 so hard to actually say. Well, this is. 
this is the way to to bring them to the ground because quarterbacks are good now. They're good at wiggling out, and if you're trying to bring them down gently and they 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 wiggle out of that and throw a touchdown pass or even just a completion, then what's everyone going to say? Well, how come he didn't bring them down to the ground? Why is he trying to be cute with them? Well, because he don't want to get a call for a penalty. So it's like you're down if you do, you're down if you don't. So I like that one. That's 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 a that's a, that's a tough one. I don't know how to. I honestly have no answer for that. I can't tell you what the proper way to be to tackle a guy, a quarterback, and I don't know like how you would change it to make it better now that they've gone as far as they have. Since they've already come this far, they can't go back. Yeah, because too many players would have to. They wouldn't be used to it. They wouldn't know how to. They wouldn't know how to do it. I mean, like, well, not way- even that. It's just that they're showing that level of protection already, so they're not going to. They're not going to lessen it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to do that now. There's a better chance that they'll turn a 10-yard penalty into a 5-yard penalty before they say, yeah, you know what? We're protecting the quarterbacks too much. Let's not protect them that much. That's, that won't happen. There's no way. So I don't really know how to, uh, you know, fix the issues that they have uh, with that going going forward. But we'd love to hear from you. Get your thoughts. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com. Text line 69187, keyword R&R. Speaking of LeBron James, coming up at 4 o'clock, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. He'll join the show to talk about the end of the season for the Lake Show. This is Randish Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. You know, in the last segment, Raider Mac asked, when's the next time we're going to be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center? When we're going to get to talk to coach, talk to players. Literally, like five minutes after he asked that question and hangs up, we get the email from the Raiders. So Thursday, 9 a.m., head coach Josh McDaniels will be talking to us. So that you can hear right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. We'll run that live. 10.15 to 12.15, practice will be open to the media. So we'll be able to see a couple hours worth of practice. Then 1 o'clock, Select players available in the press conference room at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So there you go, Raider Mac. You talked it into existence. So what I'm going to need you to do <laughs> is call in more often and ask good questions like that because then we might get the answer as soon as we did. So thank you, Raider Mac. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, we were asking the questions, and we have uh, Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com coming up at 4 o'clock to talk all things Lakers as their season got wrapped up. But we were asking the question about rules and what rule change you would implement if given the opportunity in the NFL. We've had some really good ones so far. Uh, my guy Jess hit me up, Vegas Jess hit me up with two good ones. One, he said, the tuck rule, <laughs> which is an obvious for any Raider fan, but it is not a rule anymore. That's how bad of a rule it was. They already changed it without us complaining. Well, we complained about it. It was the worst rule ever. But they, they already have changed that because, well, they know how dumb and outrageous that was when it happened. And it's so funny, even... All these years later, like these things shouldn't affect you all these years later. But even reading the tuck rule, it just like I get hot. And it's not because the AC is not on anymore. Like the AC is really on. It starts to get me hot. I also flash back to where I was when it happened. Right there. It just it shouldn't happen like that. There should not be a simple play that happened in the in, in an NFL game that gets me hot just by reading it. But right now, the tuck rule just got me hot. Let it go, guys. It's never going to let it go. There's, no, there's, nothing that, there's nothing that has happened in your Tennessee Titan fandom that just drives you crazy every time you think about it? Nah, I was, pretty t- I was too young for that Super Bowl. Or, like, you know, the Kevin Dyson being stopped at, like, the one-yard line. Yeah, but you sure brought it up pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. 
Greg, so, let me ask you. You're an Eagle. You're an Eagle fan. Man, well, first of all, I hate that. You know, the Patriots-Eagles thing is just uh, it's something I don't like anyway. But that the thing about the tuck rule is it was never a rule. Like, it was not a rule. <laughs> right. It was a rule for, like, 28 seconds. Right. And then they said, oh, we're going to get rid of this rule that never existed in the first place. Right. So it doesn't even make any sense. I never understood that at all. This, I, I never got that. If I was a Raiders fan, I'd still be mad about it. I'd be talking about it every day. Well, see, I ain't going to talk about it every day because I don't want to put, my, <laughs> put myself through that kind of torture. But there was a time in my life, and I don't know why I did this to myself, but every time before the season got started, I would go back and watch that game. Knowing what's going to happen, but I would just, I don't know, I guess I wanted to be on edge or something to start the season. Like, I wanted to make sure, you know how we say in full, like, mid-season form? I think I wanted to be in mid-season form and kind of have a little little something in my neck already. I think that that's got, that got me in the zone where I needed to be, so I would watch that. I don't do that to myself anymore. Now I see, you know, Seawood and Tom Brady and do the little tuck rule on 30 for 30. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I know how, it's like the Titanic. I'm not going to watch it. I know how it ends. Everyone dies. Yeah, well, Lincoln has also been on record of saying, hey, that he should have kept us out on the field. We would have gotten the yards for the first down. I don't remember the exact play. I know you know it better than oh, me. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the, you, you can't. the game isn't on one play. Don't we always say that? Yeah, but, DeMond, that was a bad one. Why are you trying to poke the bear, by the way? That's what I Oh, everybody's got to say poke the bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why are you trying to stir some ish up? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I'm keeping it as clean as possible. It, I'm, I'm not. You guys got that one, the Tony Saragusa one. I mean, well, it's personal. It happened. There are a lot of plays where I uh, should have, could have, would. I'm not saying that you're not valid. I think you are. I, th- I think you're. Tra- I think you're trying to to talk a little trash. I'm not trying to be a troll at all. I, I think you are. Not, I, not, I think not, you're not, trying not, to be Devonte Adams like uh, a one troll. Because Devonte Adams says that he's you know top ten or or whatever all pro troll. I think you're trying to be that guy. Yeah, like he said, you got a lot of troll in you. Matter of fact, I you do. do that anyway for no apparent reason. I know. Like this is a show that is not troll heavy, and Demond tries <laughs> to bring it to the show all the time. He's like, I I, I say to, to begin the show, Skip Bayless is not allowed in the studio, and all of a sudden here comes Demond. He's like, I'm not quite Skip, but I'm close. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with Skip Bayless? He's not allowed on this show. We don't talk nonsense that we don't believe. Everything that that dude says, he he don't believe any of it, none of it. He just says it, and he, look, he's he's made a he's made a great career out of it. But he wasn't respected when he was a writer in Dallas. Ask Troy Aikman about him. Nobody likes that guy, but he's found a way to make a hell of a career. I'm just not gonna do it. I got more respect for myself. I'm not doing that either. Oh, you do it all the time. You do it all the time. I'm respected on both sides, Q. <laughs> okay. You hear it, Greg? You hear how his voice changes? That's when you know he's full of it. Yeah, a little Peter Brady in there. Yeah, exactly. I'm respecting him on sides, Q. That's that's when you know. That's the first sign of when Demond is trying to go full troll on you. Jokes on you. I don't know who Peter Brady is. (laughs) Google him. Before your time. Right. Google him. I bet you. Well, I'm not even gonna go there. See, I was about that was about to be disrespectful. I just go ahead and leave it alone. I wasn't gonna bring Mr. Brady and any kind of family involved in this. I'm gonna leave it alone. That's not cool. <laughs> I almost went there though. I almost went there. Also, Vegas Jets getting away from the tuck rule. He said the ball going out of the end zone for the offense. You know, when the ball goes out of the end zone, it's a touchback, and the other team gets the ball. That's a good one too. That's something that DC did quite a bit when he was trying to race to the pylon and all of a sudden fumbled it and it went out of bounds. Touchback. And then if it goes out of the back of the end zone, touch the back as well. So, yeah, that's a good one. I think, didn't Seattle, wasn't there a playoff game when Seattle did that? And really, Seattle's the one that knocked him out. Of, it, they knocked him out of the the end zone. I think Cam Chancellor knocked the ball out of the end zone. And somehow they still gave the ball to, to Seattle. It was crazy. 
Oh, that's right. That did happen. Yeah, yeah you're right. But they weren't supposed to, but they did it anyway. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah, team, what team did they... they... I, 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 I want to say Packers for some reason. I want to say it was remember. Monday Night Football, wasn't yeah, it? I Monday thought Night so, football? but I don't remember. Man, yeah. To be honest. That was a bad one. That was really, really a bad one. So, yeah, there you go. I, I like that one, too. That's a, that's a really good one. Uh, how about my guy, Bill? Bill hit us up on Twitter. A couple rules I don't like. Fumble balls out of the end zone. Should be put on the one-yard line. There you go. Second time we've heard that. Second rule, penalty on a field goal on the kickoff on the 50-yard uh, line. Then just gets kicked off Gets kickoff of end zone. Last illegal formation. Just I don't know what the hell that even means. What does that mean, Bill? What does that mean? Second rule, penalty on field goal and the kickoff on the f- – oh, okay, I get it. Penalty. I get okay, it. Okay. All right. I, I, look, I got to insert the commas on this. Bill, you got to help help your boy out, man. Second rule, penalty on field goal, and the kickoff is on the 50-yard line, then just gets kicked off out of the end zone. Last illegal formation, just stupid. Uh, go go Raiders. There you go. So the I got it. He broke it up into three penalties. I got it now. Bill, I'm picking up what you're laying down, man, but you, you, you know, had me off a little bit. So is he just saying that illegal formation shouldn't be a penalty at all or it's stupid? It's just – it's it's so funny because it's so minor at t- you know what I mean at times it's like that was a legal formation how it's almost it's almost kind of like you're you know the the declaring uh, the sixth offensive lineman or the guy who's eligible it's just like it's so minor at times like sometimes it's obvious but some of those illegal formations are like really you know like barely uh, you know leaning into the 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 zone of where it becomes illegal so I can understand that one I'm, I'm a, I can live with it. But I understand where he's coming from. Did Mac Hollins have a penalty last season where he's looking at the referee like, I "Am I so. good? Am I, I good?" Yeah. And I, then the play happens. And nope. Then illegal formation. Good. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> that's like that's the because every receiver <laughs> yes, before yeah. the play starts, they point. I'm good, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You good? That's why I never played offense. <laughs> so I didn't want to have to worry about being good. I knew I wasn't. So I was like, let me just be on the other side. All I got to do is stand there. Right, stand there and not get burned. So, uh, yeah, I, I can understand that one. That one is a little bit tricky, but like I said, I can live with the illegal formation. I think that he's right, and Vegas Jess is right about the the penalty out of the back of the end zone. Uh, that one, you know, it, it should be returned back to at least where the you know the ball left the hand where it was fumbled. If you don't recover it, you don't recover it. Why do you all of a sudden get the ball and it's a touchback? That doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, some yeah, some of these are really good ones. I like them. I like them. Keep them coming. 69187, keyword R&R. This is all stemming off of, and I think you have the sound. Don't you have the sound from Ian Rappaport of him breaking it down? Do you have that? Of him breaking it down, of the, of the whole rule and why they're doing that? And, and we know that at the end of the day it's all about safety, but, man, it is one of those that just, to me, it's a little bit unnecessary. But Ian Rappaport is always a guest on the Pat McAfee show that is moving to ESPN, and uh, he was talking about this rule in particular. Pat McAfee, a punter, remember that, a punter, was not too happy about it. So. The reasons for this was kickers have gotten very good. Um, Punchers, of course, have always been good, but kickers have gotten very good. So what they've been doing is basically creating a situation where opponents have to make returns. So you had returns spike dramatically over the last couple of years. Uh, And concussions (laughs) have also gone up in the last couple of years. So right there. kickoff play was a, has the highest rate of concussion year after year. That's what Richmond case said. And the actual data, I don't have it here, but I believe 15%. Nobody has the actual data. I, I believe 15% <laughs> is how much concussions have gone up on kickoffs uh, the last couple of years. So- I love it. He said nobody has the actual data. That's great. 
So that was the that was Ian Rappaport's little breakdown of the rule and why it's implemented. And I love Pat McAfee. Like, uh, yeah, that's the that's the point. Make them return it. Yeah. Oh, they're good. Yeah, of course. And I, I, I love his reaction to it. And there was a lot more of that. And DeMond actually did a lot of really good cleanup work uh, because we wouldn't have been able to play everything that uh, he said because there was a lot of bleeping that would have been involved. But, yeah, I mean, that just, again, to me, I just think it's silly that they're going away from that. The kickoff, it's hardly ever that you see – that that many returns anyway. Now it's basically like you're not going to see any returns. Just it's, I just don't see it happening at all. I feel like next year what we're going to see is so many kickoffs just go straight out the end zone. Not even give those guys opportunities because we all know that most guys are just going to go ahead and field the ball at the one and then call for the fair catch and get the ball at the 25. 3.55 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number three of the show. The final hour of the show went by that fast. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. We'll talk about the end of the Lakers season. Sweater Nation Radio, 920.